combination of solitude and darkness is toxic. Whether you are 14 or 40, I would argue that that combination of those two things over time will often take you places you don't want to go. We build environments that create a certain mood and kids respond to certain environments different ways. The theme of the environment is sort of sets a kid up for the type of behavior that you'll typically see in that kid. Where kids use technology often dictates how they use technology. In the digital age, students are one click away from finding themselves surrounded by danger that can lead to darkness and despair. Today, we will discuss the five most dangerous places for students to go online. I'm Jeff Eckert. I'm Jason Brewer. And this is The Thought Factory. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, cultivating students through biblical discipleship and spiritual disciplines using theology, community, and technology. Learn more at neverthesame.org. Welcome to season six of The Thought Factory. We are grateful and thankful that you have decided to join us today for this episode of The Thought Factory. Thank you for those who have joined us in the past for the last five seasons, but today is the first episode of the sixth season of The Thought Factory podcast, and we are excited to get this season rolling. Today we are discussing the life online, and we have a guest in studio for the next two episodes, you may know him as Chris McKenna from Protect Young Eyes. So that is what you can expect for the next two episodes of The Thought Factory. We have a number of guests this season lined up. We are extremely excited for some of the guests that have agreed to join us for this season. Thought Factory is a weekly podcast for those who are working with students, who are leading students It involves parents, youth workers, youth pastors, youth leaders, teachers, anyone who is has some sort of influence in a middle school or high school student. And our hope is for the topics that we discuss is for you to begin thinking about how you approach your leadership with students. We really want to just discuss topics that may be pertinent to you, to what you are dealing with, what the students are dealing with, what are trending in in the culture, and we are just a combination of discussion with experts, because Jeff and I are not experts in every aspect of youth ministry, but we, we want to bring in the voices of experts to discuss some of these topics, as well as looking at the research that we have conducted this past year with over 3,000 students and about 500 adults just asking them various questions on topics that pertain not only for our interests, but also what we think would be interesting to you. So again, we are thankful for you. The audience continues to grow. We are thankful for those who have subscribed. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can go to YouTube and find all these episodes. Just search Thought Factory Podcast, and you should be able to locate us on any of those platforms. And speaking of experts, who do we have today, Jeff? Okay, we are here with Chris McKenna from Protect Young Eyes. We've had him on before here on the podcast, but tell us about Protect Young Eyes. Thanks, Jeff. Hey, Jason. Hello, Chris. Happy to be back. Yeah, thanks, guys. Did I say Chris McKenna? I don't think I did. You did? Did I? I heard it. Okay. Okay, good. Yeah. Sometimes you aren't aware of your own vocal chords. Okay, yeah. (laughs) So protectyoungeyes.com is a website that we want to be free and available to as many adults who protect kids as possible. 
we work tirelessly to be constantly combing the internet for trends. The two primary concerns we heard from parents you know, over the years is I don't know where to go and I don't have time to find out. So the website was built as a way to resolve those two problems. And I would say youth pastors at times have probably the two, those same two obstacles, right? Because their plates are full. So again, whether you're leading ministry or whether you're leading a home or both, we want that website to be a place where you investigate apps, devices, parental controls, trends, whatever it is. You have one spot to start, and then from there, we'll send you to other places, but it's a clearinghouse for the best content that's out there. And then we use that as then a uh, springboard then to work with hundreds of schools and churches to present, to speak to parents, to speak to educators, you know, both in person, and we also have a digital curriculum that is used in small group settings and also in the classroom to talk about digital citizenship in a God-honoring way. So, ProtectYoungEyes.com, we highly encourage you you need to be on this website. You need to just subscribe to your email. You always have great information out there. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, guys. It's been a. It's obviously you've you've met um, a lot of needs out there, like you're, you've talked about. And I know for us in the ministries that we're involved in with NTS Camp and some other things, we've we've wanted to openly promote what you're doing because it is so important. It's unique. You're right on the leading edge of, of this very important movement that's happening in our culture and society with students. So thanks for taking that leap of faith a few years ago to jump out and do that. It's been great to watch. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah. You've really have grown even in the number of years that we've been in relationship and just working together. And I see you as an expert in the, the tech digital world in protecting adolescents and, and students and kids to be able to, as we integrate smartphones and screens more and more into our lives and what that looks like, to be able to say, here are some things to be aware of and, and to protect the students that we're working with. And, and really, we look to you as a, an expert in this digital realm. Yeah, thank you. Well, and I want people to hear very clearly that we are pro-technology, right? We want technology to be a part of kids' lives, but at the right time, when kids are ready. And I think sometimes there's a misunderstanding as to what internet safety organizations like ours are about. And it's not about bubble wrapping kids and saying that it's all evil. There are many God-honoring ways in which kids can embrace technology. We just need to teach them that. So it's great to be back. Um, I don't know how many times I've been with you guys, but I bet if I were to look through my history that I would see success at Protect Young Eyes in direct relationship to my visits here to the podcast. So, <laughs> Hey, that's good. We hope, right. we hope that's true. Yeah. I, and I think what you just said, um, yeah, about bubble wrapping kids and about using technology, you know, in our, in our mission statement of our organization, we say that we, we want to shape students using theology, community, and technology. Super. And, and it's impossible these days to think about influencing students without technology being in the mix, right? It has to be in there. And I was thinking about a conversation I had a few years ago with someone about digital Bibles mm-hmm. and um, how the conversation definitely um, was shaped, you know, centuries ago with the Gutenberg Press. And there was a, that fight in the church about we want to we want to keep the Bible to ourselves so that we can deliver it in the way that we think is best. The internet's obviously changed everything about information delivery, but for anyone out there listening to this, it's saying more on the bubble wrap side. We just have to understand that that it, it's a reality. Whether or not a kid has even a smartphone, 
they're influenced by technology. And that's why we love your approach. It's not a, a reactive approach, but it's more of a, a proactive and a hope-filled approach. That's why that's one of the things I think what we love so much about you and why we love to promote what you're doing. So you did an article recently, and you, you do this talk about the five most dangerous places for kids to be online. So let's go through those because youth workers, parents listening to this, being aware of these environments is important. So let's let's just go through the list. The five most dangerous places sure. for kids to be online. Yeah, location is important. I think anybody who's in youth ministry would appreciate the significance of environment. We build, when I was in ministry, you know, we build environments that create a certain mood. And kids respond to certain environments different ways, right? If you want a sense of holiness or of fun or whatever the theme of the environment is sort of sets a kid up for the type of behavior that you'll typically see in that kid. So what we say to parents is where kids use technology often dictates how they use technology. And so sometimes I've heard people say, I, I work a lot both in, in um uh, Christian non-Catholic schools and also in Catholic schools, but a phrase you'll sometimes hear in the Catholic church is to avoid the near occasion of sin. In other words, don't put yourself in environments where the opportunity or the temptation is greater than other places. And I would say the same is true with technology because technology has a way of just pulling us in. And we don't need environment to facilitate what technology already does to create temptation. So the five places that we talk to parents about first is bedrooms that I don't know how many times when I was in youth ministry, I was counseling or speaking to a family in a situation. I was dealing with some behavior, a digital behavior. It almost always happened predominantly in the bedroom. Like if a kid is going to make poor choices online, it's probably going to be in their room more often than not because it's where they feel the safest. It's their kingdom, their domain. This is my spot and often they're in their room at night. And so I would argue that the combination of those two things, for anybody who struggled with any sort of digital behavior that wasn't healthy, the combination of solitude and darkness is toxic. Whether you are 14 or 40, I would argue that that combination of those two things over time will often take you places you don't want to go. And especially for a young person. So the bedroom is one location. That's the first location. What would be the second location? Well, in our culture of selfies and taking pictures, mirror shots, so to speak, I would say the bathroom is another place. And that's not just at school or not just in other places, like the bathroom at home. And your kid might push back and say, well, I listen to my phone for music while I'm getting ready in the morning. Okay, great. Then get them an echo or get them something else. But I don't want internet access in the bathroom if at all possible. Find some other way to provide music if that's the primary pushback. I just don't think that it's, it's necessary to have access to the rest of the world while I'm in this place where typically personal private things are going on. You know, we just continue to speak to or hear from parents and particularly like school leaders that bathrooms are a huge problem spot for them. For schools that have not outlawed smartphones, more and more are, but for schools that have not, that's a problem area. Because they're not only just taking selfies, but they are revealing private aspects of their body, right? Or of, or of uh, others. Of right? others. Yeah. It's... And when they have internet access, it can get uploaded and, and dispersed very quickly. Yeah, one click. Even good kids are just one click away from life change. I mean, that's just a really, I think, important thing to keep in mind. So, so yeah, and, and you think about it in terms of school. So they're going in there 
And from a school official's perspective, even the amount of time, it's going to extend the amount of time you're out of class because you're in there catching up on your social media, doing whatever, and no one really knows what's going on in their lives. Yeah, Yeah. interesting. Okay. Well, after the break, we will find out the rest of the list, the other three places that are dangerous for students to be online right after this. Hey, Dan Seaborn here from Winning at Home. I've had the privilege of being friends with Jeff and Jason Uh, Jeff, known as a youth pastor comrade for many years, Jason effectively uh, made a difference in my daughter's life. Let me just say something. This thing they developed, the NTS camps, never the same. I believe that statement's so true. These guys are pouring their heart and soul into make a difference in the lives of teens and effectively in the lives of parents as well. And I want to encourage you, I endorse them fully, get your kids to these camps because if they go there, they won't be the same. They will come home with a different attitude, different spirit. Everything you're looking for, that's what they're going to come home with. And so I challenge you as a parent, I challenge you even as a teen, consider it because I believe this will make a mark for the kingdom and a mark in your life. Check it out. I highly encourage you to pursue this because I believe it will be effective in furthering the walk of your family with the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, Chris McKenna, Protect Young Eyes. We've, we're talking about the five most dangerous places for kids to be online. You've talked about the bedroom and the bathroom, number one and two. What's the third place? I would say that number three, I'm trying to think if there's a, there's a sequence here in terms of, of worst to least worst. It's, it's hard to do that sometimes. I would say maybe third in terms of risk would be sleepovers. You know, I was a kid that grew up, um, you know, in the 80s, and I loved sleepovers. You know, I'd go to kids' houses, neighbors, friends, you know, spent the night as often away. And it probably had to do with the fact that I was the oldest of seven children. So getting out of my own house was almost a goal of mine yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to, to enjoy some time with friends that had uh, less chaotic situations. But um, I think sleepovers have a different risk profile today with the advent of the Internet than they did before. And again, it gets to the point of they're with a group of friends, they're up late, there are fewer rules when it yeah. comes to sleepovers, they're typically less supervised, um, and all of that just creates, again, these sort of toxic temptations that a lot of kids, and we all know, working with kids, um, wisdom isn't always the top of their gifts at that age, neurology would support why that is in terms of their brain development. You're saying it in a very nice way. I would put wisdom probably at the bottom of the list. Right. <laughs> having having right. students of my own, right? Yeah, non-existent. Not on the list. Left yet. outside. Yeah. If they have any, it's a bonus. But there's a lot of yeah. neurology that would that would prove to us, you know, the reasons why, right? Their brains yeah. just aren't shaped in a way in the front yet to make those sort of should I kind of decisions. So again, it's it's an environment that I think just is ripe for making poor choices. Well, you're also inviting in a level of influence with their friends. And so when they're together with their friends, the influence of behavior starts to increase instead of when they're by themselves in the bedroom. Definitely. And I the risk multiplies when you put more kids together. One of the problems that sometimes comes up, it's a different post, is you may have your house network locked down and your own kid's device is maybe controlled with Circle or Covenant Eyes or something. But when you bring kids in, if you're not confiscating those phones, you now have data plans that are not content, are not navigated by or governed by the network controls you yeah. have. That kids are exposing other kids at sleepovers to pornographic or other content. And we've seen that lead to some pretty heartbreaking um, behaviors, you know, of kids experimenting and just really getting into spots that have, have been horrible. So it's sometimes that risk that enters your house that um, you really um, 
lose sight of you know what that can look like. So and I tell you, as a parent, this is one of the most um, difficult things to navigate because with our kids, uh, sleepovers, even even like when our kids were were younger and it was during a time when the internet was still you know in its birth phase. You know, we thought about different things. We thought about, you know, their interaction with the parents. We trust the parents, you know, because, I mean, lots of abuse happens during sleepovers. But this opened up a whole other area because then it comes down to, for example, our encouragement for our daughters to have, you know, friends that aren't believers, to be ministering to these people and families. And then, but now you're putting them in that environment as a parent and, the conversations that you have to have with other parents and with your kids where you can't, you know, explain to them exactly and, and explicitly why you don't want them over there. But you have that that gut feeling as a parent, like, eh, I don't know if I can really in good conscience allow <clears throat> my kid to stay there. And I think, um, Chris, I want to talk about that for a minute, because I think as parents, what do we do on that end to go? We, you know, it seems really rude, like, hey, my daughter can stay at your house, but I want all the kids' phones collected. You know, you, you can't impose your rules or ideas on them, um, but you still want them to be socially engaged because I think the other side of it is, um, you know, the wisdom as a parent to go, I want to protect them. I also want them socially engaged as well so they're not they're not always the odd person out you know what i'm saying so how, what, what do you do with that i want to push back just a little bit on the idea that it's rude and i know, I know you weren't yeah. saying this necessarily but i push back a little bit on the fear that i think we have about this idea that it's rude that i can't impose my thoughts or rules about internet safety on someone else's home because mm-hmm. i think that there's a an um a disproportionately high amount of fear that's attached to something that we should be okay doing. Yeah. I think the enemy wants to make us afraid of that conversation. But at the end of the day, okay, pray for a non-judgmental spirit and make sure you're in a spot where you're not wagging a finger of I know best. But to look at another, if a mom to mom, mom to, you know, or dad to dad and say, you know what? I've, I've learned a few things about, you know, this particular social media platform or I just went to a presentation and learned some things about, pornography or whatever it was and we've changed some rules in our house that look like this i'm trying to put my kid in environments that mirror some of these things now i know every house does things differently but could you just give me a little bit of comfort around if my daughter is going to be spending time with yours you know what kind of devices do you have i'm not trying to say you've got to take them all away i just give me some information Mm -hmm. so that i can make an accurate risk assessment about where i'm putting my daughter that doesn't mean that if I don't like everything you tell me, she can't play with your kid or spend time with your kid. It's just that I may come to that conclusion, but I may instead, before my daughter or my son goes over there, say to him or her, you know what? In their house, these are the things that are present. And if you saw this or if this thing happened, here's what I would like you to do. And give them the tools to know what to do when things happen. Go through all the if and thens and then Give them what they should actually do so they're not stuck and floundering. So I think it's okay to ask for a little more information about the places where our kids are spending time, especially 
you know, in times like summer break or Christmas break where kids are spending a lot more time with each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I was a kid, my parents, and I think I've said this on other podcasts maybe, but my parents just kind of needed to know one thing. Do you have Showtime, Cinemax, or HBO? And if the answer to that question was no, then I was pretty much okay to go over to their house. Mm. The risk of spending time at someone else's home today because of the internet is not so much that you don't trust that family. You don't trust that every single internet-ready device in that house is connected to 100 million people. Right. So the risk profile has changed when kids get together. And I think all parents would, would generally agree with that, that it's not you calling out their house. It's calling out the culture we live in and just wanting to make decisions for my own kid that doesn't put them in a spot where they could get into trouble. Well, even the screen that you're talking about, the television, of asking about the the cable networks that are available on television are not interactive like the internet. Yeah, You're not interacting with those actors and actresses. You're not interacting with the scene. But with the internet, you start to interact with people and live you know, scenarios that, that could cause them harm. So you're, you're trying to protect them from things that they shouldn't see for television, but it's now things that they shouldn't say and do and see and, and just be exposed to. So the internet is so much grander than protecting somebody from paid cable. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I, I, I appreciate that, Chris, because I think what I just felt like even in what you said is you kind of gave me permission to go hey you can have that conversation because i tell you like um it's it's it goes back to one of the things that, that came to mind as you were talking you have this phrase i'll say it and then you say it the right way but you uh <laughs> in in your language but you've said there's no such thing as passive parenting in the digital age right? you got it yeah, yeah. Is, did yeah. i say it right you did yeah if you don't talk to them dr google will that's the rest yeah of it, yeah so. yeah so I, I i i think that's good i think it's uh it's a good reminder for youth workers listening to this to be coaching parents. How do you have those conversations? Because a lot of parents, that's not even on their radar to be thinking about their safety like that. So the sleepover thing, that that one was good. I know as a parent, I've thought of it as well, but having it on the list was great. So that's three. Number four. Number four, school buses, mm. right? The school bus. You talk about an environment with a horrible adult-to-kid ratio, Think of a school bus. And not only is there maybe one adult, but they're not watching the kids. Right. They're trying to drive a bus. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is not easy to do. Which is yeah. not easy <laughs> no, to do. And, and so I'm, and, and that's not meant to be disparaging towards bus drivers at all because what an admirable uh, spot yeah. you know, we need. Oh, yeah. Awesome, good bus drivers. And But at the same time, I, I don't understand why... Schools that say this is our digital policy, no cell phones in the classroom, whatever it is, you can then go to the transportation page of those same schools and they'll say, well, the school bus is an extension of the classroom. We try to have the same, but they don't enforce any of the same rules on the bus. And you talk about an age gap that goes on, right? You've got kindergartners on that bus. You've got eighth graders on that bus. You've got... 11th graders who are grounded from their car on that bus, right? And so you've got this wide range of kids with data plans and all these different scenarios that can go on, right? Even with something as simple as AirDrop on an iPhone where all you got to do is pull up AirDrop and anybody who's got it enabled on their phone 
You don't have to be friends with them or anything. You can drop them whatever picture you want. And I've heard that as a prank on buses that yeah. they'll just airdrop some nasty photo to all the iPhones on the bus. It's one of those spots where I wish more school administrators would would step in. Now, that is not a popular stance because honestly, for some of the bus drivers, the phones keep the kids busy. I get that. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. And if you take that away in a culture where kids depend on that for their stimulation, all they're going to do is then get into trouble if they're not being occupied by the phone. So I, I don't know what the exact right answer there is. I just know that it's an environment that is ripe for inappropriate digital behavior. And so if you have a kid who rides the bus, it gets back to kind of the pornography topic. When parents ask me about when to talk to kids about porn, I look at them and I say, you know, a couple of things. But one of the things I say is if your kid rides a school bus and they're in kindergarten, then they need to know the word. Wow. Mm-hmm. I'd rather they hear wow. it from you in a loving conversation than from the eighth grader in the front who's showing his friend his favorite porn. Yeah. 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 Unbelievable. I know. I, my kids have been in that scenario where they were elementary riding a bus with high school kids. And uh, we always felt weird about that just in general because, you know, all the things, man, all the things that went on when I was on the bus, like mainly there was fights. Hmm. There was a lot of fights. Yeah, but, a little um, bullying maybe, you yeah, know, words. Yeah, yeah. You know, I remember that yeah, stuff. Yeah. Well, I think some of the, the things that you've provided, uh, blogs, the articles that you've written, or you're partnered with, with other authors, has helped me as a, a father. I have a seven-year-old who I had that pornography conversation with him about a month ago because I said, I want you to understand that this word exists, and if you you're going to hear it, You're going to be curious. I'd rather you hear it from me and the truth about it. And yeah, he's seven years old, but you have caused me to have that, the boldness to have that conversation because knowing what the dangers are, if I just allow a classmate, uh, a neighbor, somebody who has an older brother or sister who just says it when he's hanging out with friends that are his age, I just don't know. So it's allowed me to have confidence in having that conversation saying, yeah, it seems young, but it just seems like there's more push to, to expose younger children to that and get them hooked. And so I'm, I'm like, I'm going to have that conversation, took him out to donuts. And I said, it wasn't a, a conversation that was fully engaged by him, sure, but it opened up the door so that I could have that, that conversation multiple times. Good job. So thank you. Thank you for what you do. Yeah, yeah. So five most dangerous places. So number one, and you kind of put these somewhat in order, but I think so. Bedroom. Yep. Bathroom. Yep. Sleepover. Got it. Bus. And now. Nice. Come on, let's pick on number five. Yeah. Uh, Grandmas and grandpas. So (laughs) grandparents' houses, right? Grandpa. And we brought one in. (laughs) I was going to say the the granddaddy of them all. Yeah. But. You know, and this, I love my grandparents. Some of my best childhood memories are with grandma and grandpa, and I want my kids to spend a lot of time with, you know, their grandparents. Um, And and this is not because grandparents are doing things inappropriate with the Internet. It's just that typically due to their tech knowledge, they maybe would have Wi-Fi that is less protected than in other places. And just because they just don't know. Um, well, regardless, their house is not child-proof by right. that age either. I find that, like, 
regardless. So right. technology or not, they Tech- just aren't right. thinking about children. No, no. It, they're playing with knives, knocking bookshelves <laughs> over, right. right, Jason? And then they give them back. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Well, what's, the, what's this flaming sword over yeah. here in the corner? <laughs> Grandpa, show me. Well, so at Grandma and Grandpa's house, at least in my experience, there's two things that are almost always different, rules and routines, right? So different rules and different routines in a different environment, again, creates a, a spot where my behavior is just naturally going to be different. And so I love it when grandparents come to our parent presentations and I, I, I speak specifically to them to give them some words. And I tell them, Grandma and Grandpa, you don't need to be a Snapchat expert, nor would I want you to be because that's kind of weird. But I want you to state what your expectations are when your grandkids come over. Sit them down, put a plate of cookies in front of them and say, hey, listen, I don't know everything about that Instagram thing that you do or this or that. But if you can't show me, I'm like role-playing grandma right now. If you can't show me every word and every picture that leaves your phone through my Wi-Fi for the time that you're at my house, then we have a problem. Mm -hmm. And I just want you to know what my expectations are. And it's not that I'm going to take your technology away or say it's, trust me, you need to use it well while you're here. And I think they just need to hear from grandparents that, they ha- that there are rules in this yeah. place um, because I think silence communicates a permissiveness that while I'm up later than grandma and grandpa, while I'm jacked up on sugar and while I want to talk to my friends, I'm going to maybe make some bad choices. Well, it's even a conversation for parents to have with their parents. That's right. So it's not just grandparents being aware of this and having that conversation, but to encourage parents to talk to their parents as they are handing off their kids to them for hours or overnight or a weekend or whatever. And tell them not to use the in front of the yeah. things. Like, it's not when the you're Facebook. Using, when you're using the Instagram. <laughs> 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 well, and parents are sometimes the problem because why does the kid have the device? Because mom and dad have decided that they have to stay in touch with their kid all the time. Yeah. So they've often given their child a device to go over to grandma's and grandpa's house. Make sure that whatever device you put in your kid's hands creates a, a safe experience for that child right. in addition to, you know, wanting to text them while they're away. So That's excellent. And uh, of all those, I mean, listing those in those orders, um, uh, you know, let's talk to youth workers here from that they're listening to this. Youth workers, um, what can, what's, what's one or two things you would say to them about what they can do in regards to this list? Well, obviously we're, having kids in our church environments and spaces. So if you just think of environments in terms of sort of of risk, just be asking yourselves, where are the places that could have a combination of solitude, darkness, you know, whatever those factors are, you know, look at the places where kids are spending time in your building, um, even bathrooms, right? Whatever it is. And just make sure that your events are not increasing digital risk. And, I would also say to make your, you know, state your expectations, just like we said for grandma and grandpa, state them very clearly um, at the front of, of all events. And, you know, thirdly, make sure mom and dads know that while they're sending their kids to whatever events that you have, that the kids are entering spaces with a certain understanding, right? That's why what you guys are doing to, um, you know, equip youth pastors who can then teach parents because often youth pastors are dealing with problems that enter their spaces that aren't, that didn't originate with them, right? The, the, the fact that a kid has an unprotected cell phone at the confirmation retreat really 
isn't the fault of the youth pastor. It's really the fault of parents who sent the kid to the confirmation retreat with that phone. And so again, and I know this is somewhat of a broken record, but just intentionally, persistently, consistently teaching families how to protect their kids so that you receive kids who have an understanding as to what that looks like. Yeah, we talk about that in terms of NTS camp. You know, we've got thousands of students from all over the country yeah. coming to NTS, and we've made it a point in our communication to – we don't talk about a lot of things with parents in terms of, like, telling them what to do, but we do advise them and say, consider not allowing your student to have a phone just because of the amount of distraction. You're in those special environments, and, man, it, it can – as you know, they can derail so fast. It's funny, one of the one of the college venues that we were at, um, their internet service provider called the college and said, Do you what what's going on at your school? Because uh this week, every night between like about midnight and two, your usage is like through the roof and it's all these kids streaming Netflix and whatever, you know. Oh my <laughs> and, gosh. Uh, so we're you know, we're dealing with it on that end too. What we found for our environment is we want um, the least amount of distractions. And rather than trying to police every single situation, we've just found it easier. And we, we know that we can't really enforce that. We don't want to get into that battle right. with parents. But what we say is we strongly advise you to, to just let your kids disconnect for a week, and here's why. Yeah. Hopefully we're making a difference there. As we talk about places to avoid when going online and removing phones from our ministry environment to eliminate distractions, like Chris mentioned earlier, we are not anti-technology. We are not condemning the use of it. But what are the things we need to be aware of when we put a smartphone in the hands of a student? What are the potential pitfalls for students when they go online? And if we want to protect them from these potential dangers, should phones be allowed in the five places we discussed today. It's not about coddling or bubble wrapping. It's about being engaged in the lives of those we care about to lead them the best way we know how, the best way possible. And if you want to check out more, if you want to see all of what Chris has put together with his team to help you navigate through this digital life, go to protectyoungeyes.com. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, whose vision is to see new generations transformed in Christ to further the kingdom of God. Learn more at neverthesame.org. Well, welcome to the bonus segment of this episode. Typically, we take this time to talk about the upcoming event we call Claim Your Campus 2020, which will be held in the middle of the country on the weekend of July 4th in the year 2020. And we've made the decision after every episode in the last last season until the event to take some time in this bonus segment after everything that we discuss is over with. And if you choose to continue to listen, Thank you. But this is the time that we just kind of reveal details about this event, Claim Your Campus 2020, and uh, kind of give some inside information. Well, the bonus segment is actually going to be probably shorter than uh, normal because the entire team is in a remote location 
in the country, <clears throat> Florida, and uh, is meeting with the entire leadership. There's about 40 plus ministry leaders that are gathered right now discussing this and planning this event. So I mentioned that because by next week and the number of weeks following, you will there will be so much more information about Claim Your Campus 2020. There will be more exciting details that probably are being discussed right now. And so uh, I just encourage you to look forward to these bonus segments anytime that we release an episode. And if you are new with us and you have not heard of what Claim Your Campus 2020 is all about, it is a national gathering of students on the weekend of July 4th, 2020, in the center of the country, Lacine, Kansas, which is a short distance away from Kansas City. And we are gathering students to unite them in prayer, to really empower them to pray for their school, to share their faith, and to care for their community. And so it's a multifaceted event, but ultimately we are wanting them to go home and seek God and taking responsibility to pray for their school campus, for the issues that they may see happening on a daily basis and say, I want to seek God and ask for him to bring change and transformation amongst my school campus. And if you want to get involved, if you want more information, you can find us on Facebook, Claim Your Campus 2020, or you can go to claimyourcampus2020.com.